Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome to Go Ask Alley, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. As a stand-up comedian, of which I am not, I tried it once. But you are hilarious, and I've been your fan forever. Oh, thank you. You know, I should say right now, I'm married, so I'm off the table. We could do weekends. Get your bullshit detector and get it honed. Are you mad about something? Go out and seek people who are mad about related things, and also listen to them if part of what they're mad about is you. You actually look for those little kernels of hope. They jump out at me. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the good stuff. I think it is the good stuff, and I think we need the good stuff, always. Welcome to Go Ask Allie. I'm Allie Wentworth, and this season I'm digging into everything I can get my hands on. I'm just peeling back the layers and getting dirty. And speaking of getting dirty, this episode is about couple envy. I think everyone's experienced it at one point in their life. I remember I was living in Los Angeles. I was a single young girl driving her Ford Fiesta, and I had these friends that were married, and they were considered, quote unquote, the golden couple. They were both successful actors, and they lived in a fabulous house, and they had the perfect rescue dogs, and everything they did, I thought, was perfect. They're so in love. They balance each other out. They exude success in every sense of the word, and I idolized them. And I remember when they got divorced, it shook everybody because we all thought, they're the golden couple. How could they be getting divorced? That's who we compared everything to. So 
I'm sort of fascinated with this idea of couple envy, and I have a perfect guest to discuss this with me. His name is Dr. Joshua Coleman. Joshua Coleman is a psychologist, author, and senior fellow with the Council on Contemporary Families, a nonpartisan organization dedicated to providing the press and public with the latest research about American families. Dr. Coleman has appeared on numerous news programs and TV shows ranging from Sesame Street to 2020. He's written for The New York Times, The Atlantic, Psychology Today, Huffington Post, and yes, many more. Dr. Coleman is the author of four books, including The Rules of Estrangement, Why Adult Children Cut Ties, and How to Heal the Conflict. Hello, Dr. Coleman. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. You know, I discovered you because I read The Atlantic magazine, and I read an article you wrote about couple envy which I've always found a very fascinating subject because I I think everybody's had a version of that, mm-hmm. you know, where there's been another couple in their life that they think, oh my gosh, they have everything. They're so perfect. They're so happy. The people that I've sort of had those experiences with all ended up getting divorced. Same. And it is the, the people <laughs> that, that when they were dating, I went, oh, this is a nightmare. They've been married for 150 years. So, <laughs> right. so talk to me just a little bit about couple envy in psychological terms and things that you deal with. Sure. I think it's human nature. I think we all look at other couples both to measure how we fit in. Humans are very status conscious. So part of our status is, you know, did I marry the right person? Should I be in a better relationship? Am I still settle? Could I be even happier? So one of the ways that we make that determination is by looking at other couples and seeing how they do it. But as there's so many things that are part of our human nature, they can also create enormous unhappiness. They can cause us to idealize, to your point, couples that really shouldn't be idealized who are kind of presenting themselves in a more idealized fashion than it really exists. It can also perpetuate a myth about romantic relationships that you know, if you just get the right person, it's all going to work out well and hides the fact that most, really all long-term relationships have periods of crisis and despair even. And and so the problem with idealizing other couples is that you're not really seeing the real them. It's like looking at an Instagram post. Yeah, I think that that's sort of our culture in general. We perpetuate these romantic comedies and romantic movies and, you know, romantic novels sell probably... Th- bigger than any other book in the world. I, I'm just making that up, right. but I just want to sound smart. But um, <laughs> but my point is, we love romance, particularly our, oh, and the French too, but we love romance. And so it's very easy to get sucked into that hole of like, oh, this is what it should look like, like you said. And so my husband sitting on the couch eating potato chips, he doesn't look like Hugh Grant. You know, you start to, <laughs> and, and I think, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think what we do then is not look at our relationship as a whole, but we start nitpicking our partner. He's not good enough. He's not sexy enough. He's not smart enough. Right. It's almost like we wish that we could kind of just combine all the qualities of our best friends' spouses or, you know, our best friends and combine them into one perfect partner. And, you know, the reality is you might envy some other couple that, oh, they're so adventurous together or they laugh so well together. If I was somebody like that, I'd be happier. And maybe you could be with somebody who's funnier or sexier or more intellectual or any of those things. But then you'd also have to leave the things that your partner currently does contribute to the relationship. So I think there's a lot of ways that we can quickly forget all the assets, all the positive qualities that our partner brings to our lives. 
Have you spoken to a lot of couples who one of them maybe went off and had an affair, but came back because of this reason? They thought that this woman or this man was going to make it all better. And it's, you know, on a superficial level will be what I've been dreaming of. And then they realize, oh, my gosh, this person is not. Yeah. She has horrible gas and she's, <laughs> she doesn't read the New York Times and whatever it is. Right. Or, you know, even even more telling is that's really a high percentage of people who leave their marriages for their romantic love interests in the context of an affair, even a long-term affair. Most of those marriages end in divorce because part of the value of an affair is you get the prolonged energy of the romantic love because you're not dealing with reality. You can have the best of the other person, but you're not having having to raise kids with them or talk about budgeting or, you know, bills or housework or any of the other things that create ongoing stress in a relationship. So it's really easy to imagine that if I just find the right person, and part of that is really our own denial and naivety about how much, how much our own personalities, our own impatience or character flaws or anger issues or whatever our inadequacies are, how much we contribute to our own unhappiness with that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know what that is because I wouldn't either. <laughs> speaking purely theoretically. Yes. So good our spouses aren't here to defend themselves. Um yeah. you know, I, I think about before I was married, and I was married late in my mid-30s, mm -hmm. I dated what I idealized, meaning I dated the French director, I dated the British actor. And so when I finally met my husband, I knew what that was. You know what I mean? Like, I don't meet people in my life and I go, God, I wonder what that would have been like. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if people who have not had a lot of experiences or dated a variety of people, if they got into a relationship so early on that they have a tendency to idealize other relationships more because they don't have any reference. Oh, absolutely. And statistically, the younger you are when you marry, the more probable uh, the likelihood is of your getting divorced. So the later you marry, and there's other things as well, the later you marry, the more educated you are, the more financially successful you are, the better the chances are of your having a, a longer term successful marriage. But, but you're absolutely right that not having kind of a pool of people to compare your, your relationship to and your partner to is really problematic. I mean, I was married and divorced in my my 20s, and I met my second and current wife of many years uh, in my mid 30s, and it was helpful to. You didn't say. You didn't say my final wife. <laughs> my final wife. I'm going yeah. to say. I'm going to go on record <laughs> saying my final wife, just in case she listens. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that prompt. <laughs> so. But having that experience of having been divorced, particularly having been divorced with a child, which I wouldn't wish on anybody, and then getting remarried and having more children, that also provides a certain kind of sobriety about what real life looks like. So having all those years prior to my second and courage and forever marriage <laughs> did provide me with kind of a pool of people to, to compare it to in ways that was has been really useful over the years. Yeah, I think that when you're young, not only do you maybe idealize potential partners. But when you're young, you do idealize what you think a relationship is going to look like. You want it to be the fairy tale version, you know? And so people get shocked and astounded when they realize that, oh, the, he doesn't pick up his clothes or he does this or he does that. And then I think they throw in the towel too early because of that, because of this kind of couple envy and idealism when it comes to what a marriage is supposed to look like. 
No, I think that's absolutely right. You know, therapists talk about the three stages of marriage. The first is infatuation, which is really what the whole rom-com uh, novel and movies predicated upon. You just meet the right person and everything just works. Then there's a period of disillusionment, which happens after the period of infatuation wears off where you're kind of like, oh, this person isn't perfect. You both stop being so perfect for the other. You start your own character flaws reveal. Uh, their character flaws are revealed. Conflict occurs. And you either get good at managing conflict and working through the conflict, or you break up. And if you don't break up and you learn how to work through the conflict and learn how to grieve that this is not going to be the perfect Prince Charming and Princess marriage, that, that conflict and difficulties is just part of the picture. Then you go on to mature love, which really incorporates that, that your partner isn't perfect, that they have flaws just like everybody else does, but so do you. And all, an enormous value can come from that. One of the things I notice, particularly now with social media, is this kind of obsession with the perfect couple. And what I mean by that is, you know, you'll see a, a celebrity couple on social media and fans will hashtag couple goals, you know, all that kind of stuff. And even to myself and my husband, a few people have said, during the course of our marriage, which is past 20 years now, um, oh, I just, you know, I just want to have a marriage like yours. And I go, don't say that. You know what I mean? And it's not its not a slight to my husband, but it's like, no, its we're sitting at a dinner in a really nice French restaurant and we're holding each other's hand because we're in a good mood, you know, but this is, right. don't let this fool you. <laughs> but I make a joke about it all the time. And because I, I don't like people to look at us through that lens at all, you know, because then I think, are we perpetuating something that isn't true? Right. No, I think we do a disservice to other uh couples if you do perpetuate the myth that you have it all together. I mean, my wife and I have a very strong marriage now, but there were numerous times in the early years of our raising children that we came very close to breaking up. And it was really only because neither of us wanted to be divorced parents that we hung in there. And then we eventually figured out how to work it out. And, and now we have a really strong marriage, which doesn't mean we never fight and we're free of conflict. It just means that, that the significant issues that really were incredibly challenging in the first part of the marriage are far less challenging and more in hand at this point. Yeah, I was thinking earlier today about magazine sales and how kind of corporate America feeds on this notion. And I was thinking about years ago when Brad Pitt was doing this movie with Angelina Jolie and his marriage with Jennifer Aniston broke up. And I remember reading that that triangle sold more magazines in the history of magazines. And I even remember people were discussing it like they knew them. You know what I mean? Like, I can't believe he left Jen. They were perfect. And, you know, or of course he left Jen. Look at her. You know, and I remember thinking, this is ludicrous. Right. We're having discussions about people we don't know. But the next layer of that is, wait a minute, they encompass what I thought was the perfect relationship. And so if they're not together, then what does that say about mine? Right, exactly. It makes you worry that yours is more fragile. Yeah, there's an interesting study done about about that. And it showed that you can conclude positive things or negative things about a couple that's either doing better or worse than you. If a couple's doing better than you, if your state of mind is, well, we can aspire to that. We could be even better. Or you could look at a couple that's worse than doing worse than you and think, oh, well, thank God we're not them. So it really depends a lot on on your mindset and kind of how you're thinking about your own relationship and where you want to go with. 
with it. But one of the things I want to emphasize is that some people just aren't happy with anybody. I mean, I see this a lot in my practice. They're just, they're not going to be happy with anybody because they're either too hurt from their own childhood issues. They've been too disappointed in life. Their expectations about what somebody else can reasonably repair from their own childhood hurts and traumas. And so they end up sending away perfectly good partners or not valuing all the great ways that their partner does contribute to their lives. Yes, I, I have a few friends like that who, you know, people say, well, why don't you set her up? She's beautiful. She's smart. She's successful. And I go, yeah, that's great on paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, right. <laughs> I, I mean, the on paper stuff never, never works, in my opinion. No, it, no, it doesn't work. And that's that's the problem with the early part of the infatuation is that everybody's on best behavior. They're consciously and unconsciously kind of tailoring their own personalities to what that other person needs. You know, if the person said, oh, my last boyfriend never communicated about their feelings, the guy's probably going to communicate a lot about his feelings, even if he's not a great communicator. But once that period of idealization and infatuation wears off, then the real self emerges and then it's a different story. So those are kind of infatuation addicts. Yeah, right. As soon as that juice is run out, they kind of move on to the next thing. Exactly. Yeah, they're done. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think many marriages, when that, that kind of infatuation phases over, they go, oh, I guess we're not in love anymore because my armpits aren't sweating, my heart isn't beating hard, but that's really just because it's turning into mature love if it mm -hmm. has all the scaffolding it needs. Exactly. And it's time for a short break. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Great, let's get back to it. One of the things, and and tell me what you think about this, one of the things I've learned in my old age is that women have a tendency now that we let our guard down, we're really honest with each other. And I found that to be incredibly therapeutic, not only for me, but for the other women. Um, so I, I, mm-hmm. I know that you've talked about when groups of people have gotten together, like if you had a bunch of married couples that got together and started really discussing why they look at other people and are envious, they start to realize, oh, this is common, correct? Absolutely. And that's what's valuable about having close friends that you can confide in. And I heard my wife the other day on the phone comparing notes with one of her best friends about who had the sloppiest husband. <laughs> I was like, I thought, well, I'm glad that's therapeutic for you, dear. But, but it actually is good for the marriage because, you know, they can, they can kind of bond around that. Right. They can see that they're not alone in it. And if, you know, if her friend had said, Oh, well, my husband's just so neat. He's perfect in every way. I mean, she would have probably come home and been mad at mean. So having close friends that you can confide in and hear what their trials and tribulations are is really, really important and useful. Yeah, because you you find yourself saying, you think that's bad, Right. dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Exactly. And also, I I think what you something you wrote once was that otherwise, if everybody puts on this facade, you come home and weaponize it towards your mate because- Right. You're not connected the way they are or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. You're not sexual enough. You're not fun enough. You're not adventurous enough. You're not communicative enough like my best friend's husband or wife is. And if you would only be like that, I would be happy. And yeah, that can really be a serious problem. But people do use that. They do weaponize it. They do. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of it. Me too. I've said to my husband, oh my God, do you know what so-and-so did? He (laughs) he took her to Paris for her birthday. That's amazing. Anyway, (laughs) thank you for the card. Um, (laughs) And I actually found that with my daughter's there was a uh, one Mother's Day years ago when they were young. Um, it was Mother's Day and nothing happened. Mm. It was a non day, and I finally mm. pulled my hu- husband aside and I said, "It's Mother's Day, but you're the one that has to show them." And I don't care about Mother's Day. Sure. What I want to teach them is to think about others, to give, you mm. know. And I said they should write me a card or paint me a picture or something. Yeah. And. He didn't realize it was sort of his responsibility, and they ran to CVS. I got a carnation and some Post-its that said, I love you, Mommy. (laughs) And you were golden. Yeah. And I realized (laughs) that I had two choices. I could be really angry at him and the kids and mope around and say like, you know, it's Mother's Day and, you know, Sarah got two dozen roses and and her kids brought her breakfast in bed. Or I can say, hey, this has been a big family fail uh-huh. and I'm going to explain to you why so that next Mother's Day, we're not going to have this problem. And it was very effective. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And I think it's a good way to use kind of these 
um, comparisons is a teachable moment and sort of assume good intentions in your partner and not treat it as some huge character flaw or character fail on their part and show them that what's meaningful to you about it and using non-critical language. And it sounds like you did a good job of, of doing that. And he was able to, to, to respond. I mean, he didn't go all the way, but he went far enough for you to feel like he was taking yeah. it seriously. He went, he went to CVS, which was nice. Yeah, that's pretty far. <laughs> well, it's a mile. Um, <laughs> but I found that in my marriage, it is the communication because I found many times that my husband would say, I didn't know what to do. I was scared, you know. So every year now, my birthday, he'll say, what do you want for your birthday? Because I don't want to make a mistake. So just tell me. Yeah, that's And I'll good. say, what do you mean? I don't want anything. Stop it. He goes, you do want stuff. And please don't make me guess. Please don't put me through this. But <laughs> um, I want to go back to the talking with the friends because he is not my best friend. Uh, uh-huh. And I think in marriage, it's okay to say my mate is not my best friend. I agree. Because I used to see it in movies like, oh, my God, he's my best. We're best friends. And I was like, <laughs> I don't. I don't think we're best friends, you know? Uh-huh. And I realized that because a lot of the stuff that me and my girlfriends like to chew on, my husband doesn't. If if somebody's getting a divorce, I want to talk about that for three days straight. Oh, yeah. Why? Why are they getting divorced? <laughs> Whereas my husband's like, oh, that's so sad. And that's it. Yeah. So I realized, oh, why put that pressure on my partner when there are people that will chew on this for three days with me? You know, my female and male friends are providing such a great service. And so (laughs) a lot of times people say, what kind of marital advice do you have? Right. And I say, don't go into marriage thinking, oh, this is my everything. I don't need anybody else because you're really setting them up for a fall. Yeah, I think this idea that that one partner should be able to fulfill all of your needs, your intellectual needs, your need for humor, for play, for adventure, for venting, for compassion, uh, it really burdens marriage. And that's why people who have more friends tend to do better in marriage. They're not expecting that person to fulfill every need. The interesting thing, though, is that for most men, their wives or romantic partners are their best friend, if not their only friend. And so sometimes I hear women complaining about the fact that kind of like, you know, can you kind of get some other friends so that I'm not the only person that you're talking to or leaning on? But women do tend to have many more friends. And I, and I think it's really important for both men and women to talk about their relationships with other people. That is a common thing I hear, that the men don't have enough friends. It is, yeah. It's a, it's interesting. I once said to my husband, if you came home and caught me in bed with anybody, what would your first reaction be? Like, who would you call? Meaning, who do you consider your best friend? He said, I would call one of your friends and say, what the hell's going on? (laughs) And I said, okay. So I do notice that a lot. Like my friends will say, you know, can't you do something with somebody else, male or female, just to get some friends? Right. Yeah. Just don't lean on me so much. Just don't lean on me so much. Yeah. I think for a minute it has to do with ideals around masculinity that I think a lot of men still sadly have a problem being vulnerable vulnerable and talking to their friends about their fears or their anxieties or the ways they feel like they're failing in life or, you know, things aren't going well. And so they feel like their wives are going to be more sensitive to it, so they're more inclined to to confide in them. But I think men who can do that, um, just they're just happier. They just feel more resilient because they just get more support. Yeah. And they also see, again, the same thing that we're talking about, that these issues are just part of human nature. There is no perfect person in perfect marriage out there. And aspiring to that is going to really make for an unhappy life. 
I'm going to turn the page now and talk about sex. Okay. Because I want to. Um, (laughs) Because I think, obviously, it's an integral part of a relationship. But I think there's sex envy, too, when it comes to couples. Definitely, yeah. And I experienced something years ago. I was uh, with a bunch of people having dinner, and somebody said, how often do you and your husband have sex? And I thought about it, and I said, I don't like four times a week, maybe more for on vacation. And and this was women I was with. They all kind of gasped. And they got <laughs> I bet they did. <laughs> and they got really angry at me. It wasn't like, oh my God, amazing. It was like, are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, no, why? Is that bad? Is that good? And I thought, oh God, I shouldn't talk about this. Wow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was not bragging. And from that day on, we still get teased by these people. Oh, are you going to go have sex? You know, and I, I mean, I mean, borderline bullied. And I thought, wow, what are they imagining? I'm like, it doesn't mean that we're strapped to a swing with a, a bowl of frosting and some feathers. But it, but it was interesting to me that I saw how angry people got at the idea that they were not having as much sex. So what do you see with couples when it comes to sex envy? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the question I often get from couples is, are we having enough sex? We only have sex once a month. Is that bad? You know, we used to have it a lot in the beginning. We're not having it a lot now. Does that mean we're on a bad path that our romance is ending? And, you know, my opinion about it as a couples therapist is that it's really an issue of how happy are you? I don't think that there's really any ideal. I work with couples and have friends who are couples who hardly ever have sex, but they have a great marriages and they're both perfectly happy with that. And that's not an issue. That's probably not as common. I think more commonly one person really wants to have it and the other one doesn't. And so they kind of accommodate that or accept it. Um, but I think most people have no idea how much sex other people are having. So they have these often, I think, inflated ideas of how much sex other couples are having. And it can be something that's really weaponized and, and is a problem. Yeah, it's yes, we're not it's not fifty shades of gray over here. But right. um, <laughs> um and so what 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 do you say to the couples that sort of complain about that? If they're both in sync, it works, right? Is it right. is it a question of there's one person that feels like they're not getting enough or they're getting too much. You know, I always think of the Woody Allen movie, Annie Hall, when there's a split screen and the therapist say to each of them, how much sex are you having? And she says, all the time. And he says, hardly ever. So right. and it was three times a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> um, well, I mean, if, if the couple's talking about it, then the issue is sort of for the person who who's feeling rejected sexually or frustrated? Do they worry that they're unattractive? Do they feel unloved? Do they feel hurt? How do they translate those feelings into the marriage? Do they get angry? Do they get critical? Do they withdraw for the person who's not being sexual? Is it an expression of a desire for more distance or boundaries? Or maybe it's just aging and hormones and a variety of other ways that low sexual desire can manifest. So it has to be part of an overall approach that's kind of comprehensive to what's going on in the the sexual life of the couple. I think think in movies and television and books, particularly in comedies, when you get to be a certain age, the joke is, you know, we're in like long night shirts and night hats, you know, and like there's no sex anymore. But, you know, now we're living much longer. Right. So our sex lives need to sustain themselves. So uh-huh. would you ever advise any of your couple patients if somebody is is feeling like they're not 
getting as much sexual satisfaction as they like. Do you ever say to the other person, you, you just got to step it up? You may not be in the mood, but you'll end up having an okay time. Um, I mean, it's harder as a male therapist because typically it's more the woman in the couple that has the lower sexual desire than the guy does. So more commonly, I see that as an issue. So it's, it's, I have to be sort of more mindful and thoughtful as a male therapist to say, look, just do it. You know? Oh, yeah. No, I'd, I'd slap you if you said it to me. But yes, I get it. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so it's more like, you know, helping her think about what kind of the advantages and the disadvantages. I mean, once it's clear that it's not an expression of some other underlying complaint about the person, uh, it's clear that it's not, and it's just a matter of desire. Sometimes it's a matter of education that for women in particular, kind of the ambient desire that a lot of men continue to have, uh, you know, well into their 40s and 50s, a lot of women describe not particularly having that and actually needing to have sex to re-stimulate that desire. So I'll sometimes talk about some of that research and some of those ideas and see if there's ways to to think about it in a more, to your point, a more kind of a practical, strategic point. Like, you know, if your partner is that much happier, if you do have sex or that much unhappier, if you don't, maybe you can think about it in a more kind of strategic way rather than purely making it about one of desire. Right. We'll be right back. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with dust-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 
Network. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. I'm going to now turn the page to couples and positivity, meaning, you know, we're living longer, so our marriages are going to be longer. So mm-hmm. from your experience as a couple therapist, what are some of the things that you not only say to your patients, but you would say to me here on the podcast? These are things that I think are helpful for any couple mm-hmm. to sustain a relationship. I think knowing your own character flaws is important and to work on them. So, for example, one of my character flaws is I tend to be kind of more impatient and quick to anger. And so over the years, I've had to really learn how to, to manage that, to not say the first thing that comes to, to my mind. My wife does something that was really irritating or, or frustrating. And then to learn how to communicate in a productive, non-critical, non-blaming, non-shaming language. Yeah. You know, the marital researcher John Gottman talks about the importance of avoiding hard Harsh startups. So conversations in the way that they begin. So if you want to talk to your partner about something that's really important to you, do it when you're in an emotional place where you can say it in a kindly, loving, affectionate way. That's hugely important. Being appreciative. It's so easy in long-term relationships to lose sight of all the ways that your partner is contributing to your life in a positive way. So I think daily appreciations, they don't have to be anything too too amazing, just daily things that you like, love, admire, or appreciate in your partner. Yeah. Another is to know their psychology. If your partner is somebody who's very easily rejected or really easily feels criticized or guilt-tripped, to, to be mindful of that. That doesn't mean that you don't say things that bother you. Yeah, so for example, if your partner's really sensitive, very fearful of, of rejection, you can't necessarily completely protect them from that. Like, Let's say every time you go out with your friends, your partner feels rejected. It doesn't mean you have to stop um, going out with your friends. In fact, it would probably be a mistake to do it. But it may mean that you have to spend a little bit of extra time empathizing with why your partner feels that way, either when you're leaving or when you're coming back. I'm not suggesting that somebody engage in some super long, drawn-out thing, because that would be unfair to ask of one's partner. But to just be mindful of how your behavior really impacts that person. Similarly, if your partner really feels easily criticized, that doesn't mean that you can't have any complaints. But it may mean that you have to to preface your complaints with a bunch of positives like, you know, I think you're a great partner. I think you're a great parent. However, this is something that's been bothering me. Put it into I statements. You know, when you do X, I feel Y rather than you're such a selfish, terrible person. I think that's a very, it's an important point. But I, I think some couples are too conflict avoidant and marriages can end and long-term relationships can end from a, a death by a thousand cuts right. by people not saying enough of what bothers them. So I really encourage part of what I do as a couples therapist is let's just get it all out on the table. I will help you say it in a tactful way, but I want you to be as bluntly honest as you can possibly be because those are usually the reasons that marriages end is because people aren't being direct enough about what they dislike or what the other 
other partner to change. That doesn't mean that the partner is going to change, but it, at least it's out into the open. It provides an opportunity. Yeah. And finally, and related to that is that I think good relationships require 50% self-interest or self-centeredness and, and 50% total dedication to their partner. And if you're too self-centered, then you'll burn out your partner. But if you're too selfless, you'll burn yourself out. So I think a good balance of both of those are critically important. You know, I remember a few years ago, the New York Times ran a piece about what you were saying about appreciation. And they said for seven days, each day, you know, do this thing. And one was hold your partner's hand. The second day was say one nice thing to them. And my husband and I did it just for fun. I mean, it was the smallest things, but it actually worked. And you forget when you've been married for a long time right. to take your partner's hand or to kiss them for no reason. Right. And so sometimes it comes down to the smallest, most fundamental things that you lose sight of over time. So Absolutely. Yeah, the small, seemingly inconsequential things can actually have a lot of power and a lot of value and a lot of meaning. And yeah, you might think, oh, they won't. They know. They know I love them. They know I think I'm attractive, whatever. But they actually might not. And even if they do know it, it still feels good. It's just an expression of affection, which who doesn't want that at some level? Yeah. I mean, even sexually, again, we're not going to bring back the swing and the feathers, but there is something to even mixing that up in in a tiniest way, you know? For instance, like you were saying, if you're a woman making the first move that night, mm -hmm. unexpectedly in a different room, or not, you know, if the kids aren't home, whatever it is, those things actually right. can go a long way. Yeah. No, I think you're raising an important point that some degree of variation and variety really can be the spice of life. But it doesn't mean that every single night, oh, what are we going to do differently if we're having sex? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> be exhausting. But, yeah. It's, but sure. yeah. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think your earlier point that a lot of it's just kind of mundane and every day. And, you know, it's not like every time is going to be amazing and incredibly exciting and world transforming. It's just sometimes you just have sex and it's over and you probably feel closer and great. So what I'm hearing is connection. Connection, exactly. In all its various forms. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I think that's that's a really great way of summarizing all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, disconnection can really feel hurtful and alienating. I mean, some pe pe people have very different appetites for connection is the other part. Right? right. Some people love it and thrive on it. And other people want more distance, more isolation and the like. So that also has to be something that's worked out in a couple. But if you disconnect, you lose battery. And then you've got no power. Uh, oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. There we go. Go ahead there and steal go. that. Go ahead and steal that. <laughs> okay. So I, I've asked you a million questions. Now it is your time, Dr. Coleman, to ask me anything you want. Okay. You already know how many times I have sex a week, so you don't can't ask that question. And I and I am impressed beyond words. I'm not angry. I'm just <laughs> impressed. <laughs> well, I'm curious if you have any kind of a daily habit that you do that maintains your happiness or well-being or mental health or that kind of thing. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I have a recent one which I discovered during COVID, which was. I wasn't really exercising on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was that huge statistic that was eating and baking bread every day during COVID. Yeah, I did that too. Yeah. 
it, it fu- the funny thing is that most men worked out during COVID. They used that time mm. to get in shape. And most women, this is real data, just ate yeah. themselves to death. You know, they were just like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> anyway, so I have this hound dog, this rescue dog, and I started walking with him during COVID, mm. like two and a half hour walks, which I never had that kind of time before. Oh, that's great. And I found it to be so therapeutic, yeah. like for my head. It didn't even matter to me that I was maybe losing weight or getting in better shape. I started writing in the notes of my iPhone because I would have ideas for a TV show or a thought or, oh, I haven't touched base with this person. And now I've made it part of my routine. I have to get up really early, but yeah. I do it every day. And when I miss it, um, it has to be severe weather or I, I have to be somewhere early. I really miss it. And I don't miss it again for any kind of yeah. in, in an ego way. Like, oh, my God, my ass is getting flabby. I miss it <laughs> because it's the one time a day that my head can really breathe, you know, and I'm not bombarded mm-hmm. by emails and people and kids and everything else. So that has been a huge thing. What about for you? No, it's the exact same. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I go on a daily run for thirty minutes, rain or shine, and it's the the one thing that if I do it, I can check the box that you know that that's going to maximize my probability of a good day. It's not going to guarantee it, but it's definitely going to increase the probability of it. So it's interesting that you have the same discovery. Yeah, at least it'll start well. Whatever happens the rest of the day, you know, <laughs> it's up to fate. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Coleman. This has been such a pleasure to talk to you about all of this. Oh, thank you. For me too. So I think I'm going to equate couple envy to social media, because I think that when we see a couple and we think, wow, they really have it all, it is very curated, just like social media, because we are seeing that couple in magazines, maybe, or if we know them, we're seeing them at a gathering where they're maybe holding hands or they're displaying their quote unquote happy situation. We're not getting to see them in a fight. We're not seeing her sleeping on the couch because he's snoring. We are not seeing her bleaching his underwear for obvious reasons. We're not seeing him having to take a walk because she's nagging him consistently. We're only seeing this picture perfect scene. So the next time you see a couple and you think, oh, hashtag couple goals, just remember, you are only seeing the beauty. You are not seeing the beast. Thank you for listening to Go Ask Alley. As always, check out our show notes. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast and follow me on social media on Twitter at Allie E. Wentworth and on Instagram at The Real Allie Wentworth. Now, if you'd like to ask me a question or suggest a guest or a topic to dig into, I'd love to hear from you. And there's a bunch of ways to do it. You can call or text me at 323-364-6356 or you can email a voice memo right from your phone to goaskalleypodcast at gmail.com. If you leave a question, you just might hear it on Go Ask Allie. Go Ask Alley is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.